My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos reread every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined this week by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. Pretty sure. At no, this... wait. Sorry. I messed up the intro. Let's do that again. Can I? Sorry. No, it's like... Um, it's okay. I, I got mm-hmm. this. No worries. I can, I can do this in two. I promise. <laughs> Mein Name ist nobody. Meine Nachnamen kann ich n- <lacht> n- nicht sagen. Ich kann Ihnen nicht sagen, wo ich wohne. Ich kann Ihnen sagen, dass dies ist die Axe-Files. Ein Show in den Handballspieler, der reine Nacht über jedes Animorphs Bus brechen. Ihr Lehrer gesellt sich wie meine Güste, wer brächte, die sind sie das andere Licht in Heimwalter. Es ist Vivian. Uh, sorry? What? Und wir werden auch von der Eleganz schönes drin die Welt begleitet. Es ist Kate. I was... I was gonna do a thing, but now I can't because this has become. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for coming up with something that I don't need to have uh, a intro of my own. Because <laughs> <laughs> listen, I said last week I'd do the intro in German. I was gonna do the intro in German. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? I totally forget about that. Uh. Well, sh- I mean, come on, you don't remember your own bits? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I'll just do the thing I was gonna do next time. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. It's, it'll be the, it'll be the first. It'll be the first. Uh, uh, it, it'll be the first chapter of a book, so it'll it'll work better that way. Um, okay. We have like okay. another cool. five years ahead of us in this. We can't just keep escalating more and more bits on top of each other to outbid e- bid each other <laughs> over the course of five years. <laughs> Uh, listen, there was a, a thing last week. We were talking about how uh, we didn't like maybe standardizing the intro. I made a mm-hmm. joke about doing it in German <laughs> just to keep it fresh. <laughs> yeah, mean, somehow I, I have no recollection of this. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it'll be recorded. We can we'll, we'll hear it when it comes out. But um, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Meanwhile, well, my bits are just saying ahoy. Maybe I should maybe I should write it up in Esperanto. <laughs> uh, at one, at one point, one, at one point, one of us is going to try doing it in the way that the Hork Bazir combined their language of English. <laughs> like, I do technically speak German, but it has been like twenty years since I was any kind of useful for it so i did have to use a translator to help me with this and apparently it turns out that the uh, andalite in german is andalistian so cool it's got a word it's not they didn't just transliterate <laughs> <laughs> that kind of makes me wonder if andalite actually has like some like root word in it that like refers to something in particular and it's not just like an alien made up like word no, I think it's an alien made up word. I think that usually though when things are 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 adapted to other countries, uh they just take the word and they make it fit in that language. Um uh-huh. for instance, I just looked it up and the <laughs> according to Google Translate, the Esperanto word for andalite is andalito. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's only male andalites. Andalite the women are andalite. No, that's not how Esperanto works. Oh. Esperanto, <laughs> in Esperanto, all vowels and sorry, all nouns end with o. All adjectives end with a. All okay, adverbs was, end was, with e. Okay, I was thinking of Spanish then. I guess. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Esperanto is a logical 
well thought out language, unlike all the ones that exist. <laughs> Although I don't like how it does oh. gender. It's just is like reform movements, but whatever. That's what we're here to talk yeah, about. We're here to talk about we're here to talk about the book that we, we finished today. Yeah, finishing book day. <laughs> this isn't as big a deal as other finishing book days because we have actually had main plot up till now. It's not like it just got dumped on us in this yeah, last episode. Yeah, yeah. But... It's not like how we dealt with like the entirety of Jake being yerked and then unyerked in the last few chapters. Oh, Zach, remember those book. last yeah, two yeah. episodes we did of nothing? Well, here we get to do the actual thing the book's about in one yeah. episode. <laughs> Are you tired uh, of them talking about playing Doom in this one? Well, get ready. It's going to be the same in the next book. <laughs> I know. It, it's, it starts to ramp up from here on out, I think. There's, like, maybe a few duds, yeah. but uh, most of them, they pretty much follow the the arc, like, the sort of arc of tension well, that this one does. The, the, the thing is, is that... From this point on, it just gets weirder and weirder. Mm -hmm. So even when something is a dud, it is at least interestingly weird. Yes. Yeah, I would, certainly, yes. I would certainly hope so, considering that it's like only in book seven that they're like, oh, hey, by the way, space wizards exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, just makes me even more curious about uh, whenever we meet Snoopy. <laughs> case, in, case in point regarding the interesting duds is, of course, the Helmicrons. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Let's uh, let's hop into it, shall yeah. we? Mm -hmm. uh, when last we left off, the Animorphs had been approached by Space Gandalf, who offered them the opportunity to uh, take part of humanity and go to another planet, sort of a nature preserve. He told them that they were going to lose, and that there was nothing they could really do. And in order to get them to understand, which is the word he keeps repeating, he has now brought them to the future. They saw their school destroyed and blown up, and then they got to the mall, which is now a taxon hive. So, let's get into chapter 19, which I've titled, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. Um, <laughs> Rachel realizes, basically, that the future they are in is what it will look like if the Yerks win, because the mall is now a taxon hive, and she does make a quick joke about there being no good sales at the mall, but honestly, this is just her covering. This is not... Rachel's usual method of joke making. This is the Spider-Man. I tell jokes so I won't be absolutely terrified that these guys are trying to murder me. This joke. is like the Marco. This is, this is like a joke Marco would have made if Marco knew about malls and fashion and stuff. Yeah, I was just about to say that's that's very much a Marco <laughs> line and not a Rachel line. Ra Rachel Rachel is making the joke for Marco with the understanding that Marco would not be able to make the joke because Marco does not do sales and stuff. Yeah, I'm glad that they know each other so well by this point that they can cover for each other. Like <laughs> it's, it's weird. Like I, I actually love. Like this is one of the things I love about this, about the the way the character interactions work in this series, specifically the the um relationship that develops between Rachel and Marco because they're trading jabs constantly, but that's like their thing. It's part of their friendship. You know, it's like they. Yeah. They like they they're sparring verbally in a way, and they they enjoy doing that with each other. And I just I just appreciate that because they're both kind of like acidic people, you know. They're like very <laughs> uh, I don't want to say like caustic because that's basically acidic, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Um. So that's they, she's basically freaking out at this point because. 
it, it really is Fallout. There's skeletons all over the place in comedy poses. It's like... Ain't that a kick in the head is playing in the background. Yeah, there's, there's, one, exactly. there's one that's sitting on the toilet with his hand positioned over his crotch. So the skeleton was jerking <laughs> off and he died. <laughs> uh, she also mentions that the air felt strange because the trees were dying and the sky was no longer the sky of Earth. Which is interesting. I like it. I mean, we've heard about the Ur the Yurks being wanting to terraform the planets they conquer, and so we're getting a real... I mean, she's basically in 2023, right? Global warming. Um... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did we ever actually find out what year this... I mean, I guess it's only like eight years in the future, right? Based on yeah, the person we're going to be... Roughly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this would be about 2005 within book terms. Um... And yeah, so they're, they're like circling around them all so they don't get too close to the taxon hive. And then they see that there is a uh, train, a tube train, because for all their faults, at least the Yerks are good at public transit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not gonna fucking build an underground tube full of like, inter like, uh, <laughs> it, like individualized cars. They're gonna actually create a train because they know, even in space, they know that trains are good. <laughs> Oh, but what if we built a tube that was so thin you couldn't open the doors of the car you were in, uh -huh. and also it only went uh, one way at a yeah, time? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's... I'm conflicted about the fact that the bad future with the Yorks win is somehow better than actually some aspects of our modern day. <laughs> some some York is gonna, is gonna infest Elon Musk and be like, what the... We're doing you a favor. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, like, he basically, like, at one point just starts, like, doing everything right for a change. Like, he actually runs Twitter <laughs> decently. He stops making all these <laughs> decisions. He stops making stuff like the fucking Cybertruck, and everyone's like, okay, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> like, we'll know. No. We'll know that apparently the York in his head is causing him to do this instead of his, his own, like, sense of uh, responsibility, because he doesn't have any. <laughs> No, I don't mean to contradict you, Vivian, but as of when this episode goes up, Twitter doesn't exist anymore. It's X now. I guess. I mean, that's <laughs> something that we looked at at the time of this recording, that, oh, like, really? he's talking about X. I haven't heard about this. He wants to rebrand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stupid. Supposedly, it, that's going to happen, like, tomorrow. That's this is dumb. This is July 23rd when we're recording this, for the record, for the listeners. <laughs> like, it didn't, like, September-ish when this episode goes up. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's, again, for all we know, uh, Twitter size X could also just be fucking dead by this point as well. Yeah, could be, could be. I hope so. Honestly, I don't hope <laughs> yeah. so, because some people I care about have, the, have um, uh, like, uh, an online presence that matters to their, to their income mm -hmm. that yeah. relies on Twitter. The biggest thing if Twitter dies was, like, it fucked over a lot of artists is the big yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is yeah. that, like, there's, I guess, I guess there's, there's, uh, threads which a lot of people have switched over to, from maybe maybe retain a lot of people switching over that switching. I mean, you always lose people switching platforms, so... Yeah, Threads is already losing tons of usership. Yeah, that's the biggest thing from, like, a couple of days ago, where it's, like, uh, people mm -hmm. actually, re like, retainment for Threads is already fucking tanking. <laughs> At the same time, that Musk wants to change Twitter again. <laughs> The thing that, like, I never went to Threads in the first place on account of it is so bad about privacy yep. that it is illegal in the EU. <laughs> like, yeah. if you can't yeah. exist in a continent, yeah. that's yeah. a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> um. But anyway, uh, in, in the grim dark future of 2005, uh, 
Tobias kind of suggests that they need to stay clear of all of this, but Marco rightly points out that there's not really a point to this on account of the Yerks won. There's not going to be any resistance, so any they bumped into would just assume that they're controllers. And Tobias does see the logic in this, so they really figure that, like, the Elemist probably didn't send them here to kill them, but also... Uh, Axe is going to do a thing here which does not matter, basically, but he morphs human to try and, like, seem more blend because he insists that there's no way the Endolites would have lost also. Uh, who knows? I'm sure they could have. It's very possible. And he's going to be human for, like, two pages. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rachel tells them that they need to hop on the train, which... Marco kind of laughs at it first, but the thing is, is that Marco's right. If everyone thinks they're controllers, then sure, like, why would they be bothered on the train? So they're just going to hop on there and see where it goes. <laughs> I mean, like, at this point, there's no high alert. The planets, the, the, there's, if they see a human, they're going to assume that's a controller. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's like one of like the smartest and most clever things the kids come up with. Of like, oh right, nobody's gonna actually think we're at a place because everybody's fucking a brain slug or a skeleton. What, one of one of the best <laughs> ways to infiltrate a place is just to walk around pretending like you're supposed to be there. Because yeah, I, I guess the biggest thing with them will, is we'll just assume you are. Yeah, the the biggest problem there though is the fact that like Axe cannot blend in. Or at least we saw he couldn't back in the Marco book. <laughs> I mean, well. It's fine. He can't blend in. Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah, they don't blend in for very long anyway. <laughs> Clearly, no, see, see, the thing is that all of the issues that Axe is having that prevent him from blending in are the same things that would affect a Yurk taking it, uh, taking their first host, right? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so maybe Axe is just a Yurk who's very recently gotten a host and is like, Oh my god, taste and shit! Oh my god, I can speak <laughs> with my mouth! <laughs> Nudge thing acts doing like how do you do fellow human controllers I have <laughs> learned that taste exists <laughs> presumably I mean like since like your, your senses are fucking bullshit like presumably they have no taste buds in their little like slug form if they if they do have anything of the sort they would only get one taste and that would be Kondrona yep true yeah <laughs> uh. I, yeah. I still, I, I guess I'm still curious how they actually do find their way into the person's head when they dunk them inside the pool. I guess um, it's just like, they go through maybe the it's ear, like a bio. And for questions about how they get from the ear or through the bone that separates the ear canal from the brain, I, I, it's, uh, I don't know. My big, this is they my, do. No, my, my big question was like how they actually know that there's a head dunked in there. Like, uh, I guess like maybe oh, well, they have like a brain sense, I, I guess. <laughs> I think we have talked about that, yeah. if not covered it in the books, Is but it... Yorks have, like, uh, electroreception. Oh, right, right, yeah. It's not the it. same thing as seeing, it's, like, it's kind of like underwater It's like radar. electromagnetic sonar, Sonar, I guess, of. is the word like, I'm looking ra for there. Ra radar, so actually, we made this mistake before, radar does use radio waves specifically, which is why it's radar, not sound. Yeah. I don't know if there's, like, a, like a magnetic equivalent for that. Um, but that's what the Yorks seem to use. They like to use like an electromagnetic sensing thing okay. that lets them not run into stuff and notice objects all, all, in the yeah, water. All, I mean, all of all of the Yorks have Samus's uh, dark visor for Metroid Prime Two, and they use that, and that's when they detect brain. 
<laughs> I mean, like I say, I've mentioned it a couple times now, but electroreception is the word. Platypi do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. They can't yeah, yeah. really see underwater, but they can detect the, the electrical fields of what's yeah. going on down there. So that's how they hunt their prey. And I guess, like, the brain's probably full of that shit, because it's all full of uh, ner neural, neural impulses, which I actually know yeah. quite a bit about having a biology degree, but it's too early in the morning for me to describe <laughs> it, and it would be boring. So, Too early in the morning Fair being enough. 11 a.m. local time it's, in Texas. It's not so much electricity <laughs> as it is the series of action potentials, but it's it's still if pla if a platypus can still detect it or or a hammerhead shark then I'm sure yurks can absolutely um axe does have a moment here it's it's kind of treated like a joke but i think he is genuinely sad because he does not have a sense of humor as far as we've seen i think he's developing one also this is he, a he, little tiny bit of a, this is like a tiny bit of a spoiler because it's like a reference to a book that we'll get to in a few years but andalites do have humor like there are andalites we'll meet yeah. later who do have senses of humor it's just not as common mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like no, absolutely. X kind of just comes across as like I'm the teenager, I'm the teenage brother of Elfanger, and he died, so I gotta be super fucking serious Arr. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thirteen. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> it's true. A a Andalites are, on average, I would say, a little bit more straight laced than humans are. But yeah. there are Andalites who would probably be pretty good at stand-up comedy. I would say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Like, it, it's, it varies. They have different personalities. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think how handy it would be to not have to use a microphone. You could just broadcast your set into everybody's minds. Yes. <laughs> Imagine how weird that would be for anyone, like, within audible range, but not within thought speak range. Like, it's just like, occasionally that crowd is laughing, just for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Like doing stand-up um, comedy uh, via thought speech, and it's just like a person outside the theater just hearing everybody inside laugh occasionally when there's like nobody's actually saying anything otherwise. And you can't use your phone to record the set because it's not going to pick up the thought <laughs> speech. Mm -hmm. just... You do a special, and it's just... it's really hard no, for for this for this Andalite comedian to like get anything out on on uh like YouTube or on on, yeah. on, on Twitter because like. They, it's they, they have to like have special equipment to record the thought speech. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now imagining yeah. an Andalite streamer who has special equipment to be able to transmit thought speech to the people watching, but the vods are just all fucked up because it doesn't actually work in the recording. It only works live. <laughs> I was like, here's 90 minutes of silent gameplay. <laughs> I mean, counterpoint, I'm imagining an Andalite comedian recording a special, and it's just an hour and a half of him walking back and forth totally silent. Yeah, it's, he's occasionally like doing gesturing and stuff like that, just walking back and forth, but nothing else. <laughs> occasionally hearing people in the audience go, lol. Ever notice that Andalites walk like this, and humans walk like this? I wonder if that's because you have two legs and fall down at any moment. Pause for laughter. <laughs> Yes. Humans walk like this, spends two minutes morphing into yeah, a exactly, yeah. like crap falls. Yeah. <laughs> but those Andalites walk like this, and these uh, Andalite form again just doing like deer prancing. It's like, yeah, it do be like that. <laughs> uh, anyway, he also has a thing here where he says, and I'm being very specific about this, Bunza, B-U-N-Z-U-H. I believe that is the first time he says this word, and it is going to be one of the big ones for him. Yeah, um. and the thing is, this is what bothers me, and this might also be something that you can relate to, Patch being a, 
uh, having having a linguistics background. Um, I used to teach, still do occasionally, um, mm-hmm. students with dyslexia and auditory processing issues, uh, and one of like like tutoring them. And one of the things that we do is make sure that they understand how words break down into their component sounds. Mm-hmm. There is no uh at the end of buns. There it's is just not. buns. It's just buns. That's it. There's nothing. There's nothing else at the end there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's he's just adding extra phonemes now. I guess this is to be expected. He loves playing with them, but still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, Axe just likes how words taste in his mouth. <laughs> buns. Up. I guess it just. Oh, this is this is thing that is like <laughs> literally. I mean, ever since I, I, I learned in the same way that I, cause I, the, yeah. Um, yeah. So ever since I was a kid, you know, reading this and, and being told in like my alphabetic, like my specialized alphabetics phonics classes, uh, for, for auditory stuff, um, like that, you know, there's like, you don't, you don't, there's no, D says d. It doesn't say duh. It says d. So mm-hmm. like this, this specifically always got me because I'm like, you don't know how words work, Axe. <laughs> <laughs> In which we learn Axe has auditory processing issues, and no one noticed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So they all hop on the train. Uh, Marco makes a quick joke about York rush hour, but. Jake kind of snaps at him because they are controllers, and controllers don't make jokes, cut it out. I feel like Jake is ignoring the possibility of Yerk stand-up, but whatever. I think, I think, um, I feel like controllers, because, like, that's the thing, is that, and this is going to become more and more clear as we go on, Yerks are still, like, people, right? They yeah. still have, like, personalities and things they enjoy, so... Yep. It, I don't see why a controller couldn't make a joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> Plus, Visser Three makes jokes yeah. all the time. He's just super bad yeah, at it. Yeah, he is. He just like and well, he's and he's bad at it because if anyone doesn't laugh at it, he kills them. Um, yes. Well, I mean, he's bad at it because he refuses to refine his material. Well, not all, so, but this does show that not only does not only do Yorks make jokes, but they want people to find their jokes funny, which is like a really kind of weirdly <laughs> human thing, you know, if you think about it. It's it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there are, there's a bunch of people on this train. It's it's honestly kind of like a pod that just zooms along the track. Uh, it's mostly humans, but a few Hork-Bajir, a couple taxons, and uh, it's very fast. Uh, apparently, it's about what is I don't even I'm not going to do the math here. It's half an hour to make this trip by bus. It takes a minute and a half to do it by train. So it is. I would estimate going roughly about 70 miles an hour, just based on my experience riding the bus around. So that's mm-hmm. not the fastest train in the world, but it's still pretty good. For like a local um, transit route, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, downtown is just basically entirely gone. They, The Yorks ripped out some of the skyscrapers, and some are taxed on hives now, and it's... It's extremely like walking around DC in Fallout. That's why I called the chapter this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. The... you have to go into the loading zone in the metro in order to get to the center of the town. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but 
the, the tallest building that's left standing is a building called the EGS Tower, which is not a real building as far as I'm aware. You know, it 60 is, stories tall. It is gratifying to Sorry? know that in this alternate universe, Dan Shive did so well for himself. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the epic game uh. store building. <laughs> the post-apocalyptic uh. future of 2005, at least EGS is still around. <laughs> uh, different EGS. Yeah. <laughs> um... Less. It's a really, <laughs> really old, really long-running webcomic. How about people turning into girls for mysterious reasons? Yeah, yeah totally. Why would we both know about yeah, this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a mystery. It's gotten a lot better since those days, though, so, like, really. It's true, it has, yes. He still has a lot of issues with his pacing, but... Yeah, always has, always will. Oh, yeah. right, right, does this comic, right? <laughs> wow, I'm just like, I look at the site and it's like, wow, this is exactly the same as, like, real-life comic, this site, basically down to, like, the front of, like, the title. Yeah. Hey, hey, that is what every webcomic site looked like in 2001. Yeah, yeah true, well, I mean, I you mean want... Nadine's comics are in, like, 99. You want to see your, you want to get your goddamn mind blown, look at the difference in the art style between the first one and the last comic. The guy has, like, uh -huh. he's, he's gotten a lot better. Oh, I mean that's like I mean that's every one of those most for the most part that lasted that long. Yeah. Like, again, like look at the first comic by Nadine, which again was in '99 compared to and she hasn't updated since like late 2022. She says she's gonna continue. There's some <laughs> comics out there where like they'll start drawing because the thing is you can't actually improve unless you try to, yeah. and some people don't even though they like mm -hmm. unless you're making a concerted effort to improve. Yeah. No, like even drawing a comic every day isn't gonna do anything. Yeah. You know, so I've I've yeah. seen web comics that have run a long time and that have not the art style has not improved or changed at all. Um, yeah, and... like it, it's kind of similar to like the one comic I mentioned like months ago on those weirdos that I read while I had COVID, which was Rain, where it's like mm -hmm. that comic takes place over the course of like basically like thirteen years, I think, between the first and the last issue, and it's like the art style definitely improves, but it's still like kind of the same throughout. Compare that to, like, Order of the Stick, which started a fucking 20 years ago at this point. Jesus Christ, I just looked that up on the first one. Fuck. <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> remember when Order of the Stick had the wonky, like, fucking, like, loopy, like, wavy borders for all the windows and mm. stuff? <laughs> Compared to now, where it's like, yeah, like he at least like maintains that little bit of like a little bit of this like the line going past the panels a little bit, but it's like just it's a it's a rectangle now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, God, I remember when there was a big fucking deal when, like, the one after, like, uh, Vampire Durkan and everything when it's like, oh, he's actually drawing, like, limbs now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, with this tower is huge. Um, they, for whatever reason, they've installed a giant glass dome on the top. It kind of looks like a supervillain lair. Uh, I would be hesitant to put a giant glass dome on top of a skyscraper. I feel like that's going to lead to whatever's inside your skyscraper getting set on fire, but whatever. Um, there's people basically just walking down this street, which is full of random buildings and rubbles. So again, it's the fallout thing. It's where you find a random civilian walking around a war zone. But um, they turn a corner and find... It's it's where the uh, city arena, they call it, should be, which I guess is the big sportsplex, but also where the big department store is. I, I'm pretty sure that this is downtown L.A., but I could be wrong here. 
Um, and it, it's all just gone, is the thing, because they have replaced it with a truly enormous yerk pool, which they describe as more of a lake than a pool. Um, and it, it's pretty standard, but one of the key differences here is that the uh, humans and the hork that are in the cages while their yerks are in the pool, pool are no longer calling for help, because they know that no help is coming. Yay! So, Yay. grim. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if I were in, even if the Yurks hadn't conquered the Earth, if I were in the Yurk pool, I would be pretty certain that no help was coming. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I don't know how this is different, <laughs> but I guess it is. <laughs> Well, it's been like some of these people have probably been like being used as hosts for like close to a decade at this point. Oh yeah. So it's like yeah, you take that consideration. It's like if it's been like ten years or so of you having to have a brain slug in your head and nobody's helped you at this point, it's like yep, this is hopeless. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um. So as they're just kind of staring and standing there, uh, Rachel gets bumped by someone who's walking past, and she does the that ninety sort of excuse me thing, <laughs> and uh, it's a mistake because Yerks don't do this. Again, I don't see why Yerks wouldn't, but they don't. And the the lady asks her name, and Rachel knows that she can't ask answer Rachel because that's not a Yerk name. And then Tobias jumps in because he is the only one of these people who has bothered to practice any kind of lying at all. And his his lie here is basically that uh, they don't need to know Rachel's name because uh, Axe over here is Visser 3. So. <laughs> but I had to re read that little bit at the end like three times to finally actually understand who he was referring to and also who it was he was even saying because he's Visser 3. <laughs> Yeah, and do remember, so X is human right now, so... Yeah. I mean, it's uh, so... it's a good lie, though, because X can demorph, and chances are, like, yeah. most controllers won't be able to tell, like, oh, that's not the specific Andalite, you know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, like, there's, like, maybe one well, in a hundred that would be like, hang on, that's a slightly different shade of blue than what Visser 3 is like. <laughs> Well, we are assuming that if the Andalite homeworld has not been conquered, because if they have, then this is just some rando. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, so that'll take us into chapter 20, which I have titled You Have to Shoot Both of Us. I know I used that last book, but it works this time, too. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is possible that Yerks don't do sarcasm. Not not necessarily that, like, because the, 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 re the thing that tipped her off was, uh, was uh, Rachel going, excuse me, in a sarcastic way. Maybe they're mm -hmm. more yeah, she... literal than that. I don't know. She does the whole, like, excuse me, princess, from the Bad Zelda cartoon. <laughs> I actually looked it up, yeah. though, and sarcasm is surprisingly preserved in human cultures. Oh, yeah, we're great at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so Axe figures out basically immediately what's going on here. So he starts to demorph and return to Andalite form, and the lady is freaking out because... Tobias said Visser 3, but the only Visser with an Andalite body is Visser 1, mm. so it turns out their buddy's been promoted in the past 8 yep. years. And Rachel's lie to cover this is that, well, yeah, but he was Visser 3 back in the old days when we became friends, so... <laughs> <laughs> like, look, Rachel, uh, you have to learn that you need to use his updated name. It's like, Visser, Visser 3 came out to you, and you gotta change your tone to call him Visser 1 now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... So X is fully Andalite now, and all the like people are just staring because no one knew he was coming to Earth, and they're freaked out. And X just immediately falls into playing this role, and 
I have to give him credit. He is very good at this. Like, mm-hmm. he he is able to replicate Mr. Three's speech patterns immediately and very easily, which is interesting to me if you consider that just like two, three books ago, he immediately tried to kill Cassie when she said the name Visser Three. So <laughs> <laughs> he is at the very least uh, moving closer to his understanding that sometimes you have to say the name of bad guys. <laughs> Uh, um yeah so the the controllers clear out and marco realizes very quickly that well this is bad because you know they're going to talk about this and someone is going to figure out that we don't have the real viscer three here and he is still using three despite the fact that what's our name just said that their viscer here is one um they kind of, like, ponder a little bit about how long they're supposed to be here, how long Mithrandir is going to leave them in the future, but uh, <laughs> it, it seems like there's something that he wants them to see, so they're just going to keep wondering. Um, Cassie is pretty convinced, specifically, that they need to find something here. There's something they're missing. So they, like, head closer to the pool, I guess. And Rachel's kind of pondering, like, why put a pool here because there's all sorts of open areas that humans didn't manage to destroy, so why bother removing all these buildings, right? Like, it seems like a lot of work for nothing. Um, and then a bugfighter shows up. Uh, Rachel immediately feels, like, psychically pulled toward that bugfighter for some reason, and uh, she just kind of heads over there. Jake does not really know why he's doing it, but she insists that uh, the, the rest of them stay back, so... It's probably okay. It, don't worry about it. Just because Rachel is being drawn off by a mysterious force that none of you understand to go talk to a bug fighter. <laughs> look, Surely the Yorks look, haven't developed look, mind control technology. Look, they're literally dealing with space farsubias here. So, like, I mean, if one of them acts a little bit strangely, that's just them doing it. Saying <laughs> uh. that, I actually don't think farsubias ever cast, like, a mind control spell at all in oral stick. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they're an evoker. Their whole role is to blow people the fuck up. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the ship lands as uh, Axe is like covering the others, pretending to be the viscera so they don't get bothered. But um, they get closer to the bug fighter. They're just like swaggering all over the place like they own it. And then the fighter opens, and a human and an andalite come out. And this basically immediately breaks the spell, because everyone realizes that, oh wait, this one's not the Visser. That one has, like, a fear aura. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing is, is uh, he knew they were going to be here, because the person next to him is uh, Rachel. She's future Rachel. And she remembered being here from the past and told him to be here. Uh, she's described as being about 20 to 22 years old, so I guess we're looking at, like, a 2005 to 2007 age range. And it meant Rachel describes her clothes here as plain, and this is a little bit of thing that I isn't concerned about, but doesn't really come up, in that these guys are just dressed like kids from the 90s. You would think that would stick out on York World, but whatever. <laughs> well, where were they taken from again? They were taken from... Uh... Because I don't remember if they would be in their morphing suits or not. Uh, they were in Cassie's barn, I believe. Okay, so they're just being casual dress. Probably, yes. Okay, that's weird. But, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. 
yeah, her clothes were plain. Yes. I, I, I just, I just love how this is read. Uh, she had blonde hair cut short. She wore no makeup. Her clothes were plain. I had stopped breathing. The terrifying thing to her is that she, is that this version of her is dressed plainly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then that'll take me to my last chapter, twenty-one, which I have titled "Things That Are, Things That Were, and Things That Have Not Yet Come to Pass." Um. Rachel is basically explaining to them how future Rachel is explaining to them how she knew they were going to be here. And um, she remembers this, right? And the Visser one is like frustrated and amused at the same time because like, it would have been so much easier to catch them if they were humans if only he had known at the beginning. Which, like, do not forget that Tom Zierk, Temrash, in the first book said maybe they're humans, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, and again, like, I mean, they, like, had to escape mid-more from them just, like, earlier in this book from the cafeteria. None of these people will ever be like, maybe there's credence to what Tamrash said here about them being people <laughs> and not Andalites. <laughs> but as we've established, yeah. the Yorks are bad at their job. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel is, she's got this weird calm thing going on. It's, it's like... She should be panicking, and she even kind of describes panic at the end of the last chapter, but now all of a sudden she's cool. She's she's face-to-face with Visser 3. I think this is the first time they've had a real conversation that wasn't just him shouting that he was going to eat them. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, really it is. <laughs> and uh, she just sort of says matter-of-factly that the older version of her is a controller, which, obviously, yeah, like, the Yerks won, they all are, that the... The quote here is that the human race has achieved its destiny as hosts for the Yerk race. Fantastic. Um, Marco kind of challenges them. Like, if you know so much, how did we get here? But come on, man. <laughs> Rachel remembered that you were going to be here at this exact time. Do you think she was going to forget that you were an Elemist? Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, you Rachel knows this stuff. Because, like, of course, she was yeah. being like, oh, yeah, there's a space wizard. And also, I came back from time here to this one location. So let's go there to meet past me. And do <laughs> fucking nothing, actually, because we can't fuck the yep. past. So why bother? <laughs> yeah, well, they haven't said that yet. Um, yeah, but that's. Some... I mean, everybody knows that's like that's the moral in all time travel stories. Don't fuck with the past. <laughs> so of yeah, course they're going to do How much fiction do the Yerks have? True, but also like Rachel would know this because she grew up as a teenager on Earth. She's seen Back to the Future, probably. Now I will say, Visser Three specifically should know this moral: do not fuck with the past. But we'll get to that yeah. in a few dozen books. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Um, we don't go a single episode without you being like, don't worry about it. We'll get there in like five years, Vi, for something else that's going to matter. And I'm like, well, it's oh, it's Christ. just that there <laughs> there are several things that relate directly to the Chronicles books, which are all prequels. And those books yep. elucidate right. a lot of what goes on in the rest of the series. Um, and a lot of the characters that we see are specifically their backstories are specifically explored in those books so a lot of stuff is going to relate to them and they're they so a lot of the time when we say we'll get to it in a few years we're talking about the andalite chronicles or the horkvashir yep, chronicles that's like 60 percent of the stuff we're or talking Visser, about or the elemis chronicles like <laughs> yeah it's yeah, uh um, but we don't actually the elemis chronicles are just it's just fucking weird so i don't think we've really mentioned that <laughs> one all that much but no it, it doesn't 
connect in the same way that a lot of them do. We'll need to get more into the heavy Elemist books before we can start saying wait for that yeah. one. <laughs> um, the uh, so Jake is kind of defiant on this. He's he's just point. Well, I mean, he brought us here to make a choice. What if we change the choice? What if we change your future? Then you'd be screwed. Ha ha ha. <laughs> But the Yurks don't really seem bothered by this. They don't seem to think that this is even vaguely feasible, because ultimately they don't know what they decided, so maybe they lost either way. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird and frustrating, and Visser 3 fully admits that he doesn't get it either, because Elemists are frustrating people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, uh, Cassie just decides that they need to leave all of a sudden, and she specifically refers to future Rachel as a creature, which is rude, but <laughs> um, she tries to leave and uh, trips and falls over, and the uh, thing is, is that uh, future Rachel is the one who catches her. It's not our Rachel, so maybe it's reflex, maybe it's trying to protect the past, I don't know, but either way, she doesn't want Cassie to fall over. <laughs> Maybe it's because she's best friends with the Yurk in Cassie's head. And she's like, <laughs> I want I want my friend to have the host that she has. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um But to Axe at least, it looks like future Rachel is just diving at her. So <laughs> he puts his blade up to her throat. And this is where she first starts to panic, because they realize or Rachel specifically realizes that he didn't know what's up. Because when he introduced himself, he was talking about, like, figuring out that they were humans in the past, and he said six humans. He didn't know that Axe was going to be here. He's, like, the past is different in a way that it shouldn't be, and that is throwing him off big time. And, um, <laughs> this, uh, saying this out loud really sets off Fisser 3's evil monologue button because he starts yelling about how they killed Tobias and they ate him because he was no good as a host. <laughs> and, uh, he mentions that uh, future Rachel ate a leg and laughed at him. They barbecued him, apparently, so we're really back in the cannibalism specifically, section. Specifically, they ate him with barbecue sauce. That Yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of goofy how he's like, yeah, we use a certain kind of human sauce to make it taste better. Barbecue, I believe it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how Visser 3 talks in my head, basically. Just, mm -hmm. just like generic sicko guy. <laughs> do you think Do you think that human controllers would still use barbecue sauce? Like, just like as as like a condiment for things? Because like they eat, right? They eat for their human it's... bodies, and the, uh, presumably they enjoy the sensation of taste. Like, why else would they be like one of the 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 reasons that a, that a yerk infests a host is to enjoy life without being mm -hmm. a blind slug. So if you're not like living what? it up with all the sauces and condiments <laughs> and tangy whatnots, then like what are you doing? You know. Well, that's the weird part, right? Like yerks as a culture are so uniform they just wipe out anything that's not theirs and that means that all the stuff that they're trying to experience is gone so what i would like to propose is that yes barbecue sauce is absolutely a thing that controllers would still be into but it's run by the york black market who are still there's so much stuff i i actually i actually that's that's my headcanon now because there's like I keep wanting. God, I can't wait for book nineteen. God damn it! It's mm -hmm. it's, it's well, you're like, gonna have to wait like two years. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's uh, 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> we get so much more dimension <laughs> for these guys that's not here right now. And I honestly, yeah, we and I honestly feel like, like the reason that, that Yurks are so, uh, uniform and shit isn't necessarily because that's how Yurks are. It's because this is what authoritarian, essentially like just like, like authoritarian empires do, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. They, yes. They're, they, they quash all all of the things that let you enjoy life for the sake of like control, and that's that's what the Yurk Empire is. It, it's the, the 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 problem with the Yurks isn't the Yurks. The problem with the Yurks is that they're doing shit stupid. <laughs> and and <laughs> in, in, in 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 that token, like all empires, all empire building, all authoritarian structures, though that's that's the same kind of stupidity. Yeah. Well, I fully believe that there's a Yurk out there who managed to recover the seed vault and is, like, using that to produce just all sorts of spices and running the flavor town of underground Yurk food. Yeah, you know, you know the, the, the Yurk equivalent of Remy for Ratatouille is out there being like, That's I just want to cook. I don't want to deal with, like, subjugation of species. I finally have a body that can let me do that, so I'm going to look for this fucking vault <laughs> to be the cook. And then he invests a poor chef in gay Paris and is like, the chef's like, I want to cook, but I don't have the skill. And the Yurk's like, I have the skill, and I want to be a cook. And they, they form a partnership and they start a they start a really good restaurant in Paris. <laughs> Honestly, I think like I feel like a Yurk who is not subject to the authoritarian powers of the Yurk Empire could be a very helpful and friendly person because they can affect brain chemistry, right? We know they can do that. So I feel like they could be really good therapists. The, pro- the problem is the problem is that and again, this is stuff that we'll explore later that other books are specifically designed to explore, but the the Yurk host relationship is inherently uneven. At any point, the Yurk can take complete control. The host does not have that ability. Yeah. There, 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 there are, I think, and we'll talk about this later, I want to I save it for those books. There are, I think, ways you can get around that, specifically that, that use the fact that the Yurks do have to leave the host occasionally. Um... Like there's way that soci- ways that their society could be run. I would think that would make things a whole lot more even. But that's not what we have. We have a situation where he- the hosts are in cages when the Yurks are not in yeah. their heads. So there is no accountability. There's there's nothing of the sort. Um, and the Yurks, their Yurk control over the host is complete and total. Uh, so that's yeah. the world we live in, and that's the one that the Yurks are living in. It is, but that doesn't mean I can't dream of a better yes. one where the Yorks are. Afraid. Yes, and you know what? You know what? <laughs> yes, and that's what—that's why Cassie books are good. <laughs> um. Yes. So uh, Axe is like got his tailblade up against Old Rachel's throat, and um, he points out that like the Visser can't actually fight them because if he kills them, that changes history. So like that would probably screw them up big time, and. Uh, I would argue that, honestly, it probably wouldn't. I mean, sure, he wouldn't have as many morph-capable hosts, but also, if he kills them right here, then his past invasion gets way easier. Um, uh, yeah, that, way... that is a question here, because it's like, yeah, he doesn't know how things will play out, because, like, I mean, he has one in this bad future with leaving the kids alive, but also, like, 
you would think that in his brain he might be like, well, I mean, it would be a lot easier to deal with an invasion of Earth if they if we got rid of the six people who actually know about the invasion, right? What if the Endolite bandits just mysteriously disappeared one day? Yeah. That probably wouldn't be bad for me, right? <laughs> yeah, it's um, like, I, I, I get that their logic is like, oh, well, he can't fuck with the past, but also, like... To their own credit, it's like, why can't he fuck with the past here, in a sense? Because that means that he wouldn't have to deal with six people fucking his plans over. Yeah, but you don't know how that's gonna, like, make things work. Like, change things. You know, like, the situation that they're in right now, the Yurks that is, this year three, and who, whatever Yurk is inside Rachel's head, it's good for them. They won. It, it, it like... Yeah, like, like you, but it could you, also you, be, like... And, you know, butterfly effect, which is a theme of this book, you never really yep. know what is going to happen if you change the past they could kill these kids and uh and everything would be easier for them or they could kill these kids and something unforeseen would happen that would prevent their victory or they could I try guess. and kill them yeah. and then the limits would come in and be like okay we're done and <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i guess i just see this as like different than like you know, the whole, like, oh, well, if we beat Lavos in the future, then it's like, well, I mean, Lavos technically didn't exist, so it just creates a paradox, because you wouldn't actually have to do any of this time travel stuff well, my, to deal with Lavos. But my, in this case, it's like, I feel like he would win one way or another, whether he leaves the kids alive or not. But you don't know that. My, <laughs> my, my, my point is that if the situation is good for you, then there's no reason, like, it's, it's within your best interest to do nothing, to change nothing. Because anything yep. you do, any change you make, ha carries a risk of making things change in a bad way. I guess. And also, like, I mean, I was about to argue, well, it's like, well, if he killed the kids, then he would also save, like, X number of Yorks that the kids will kill. But also, it's like, this is Visitor, he doesn't give a fuck about his underlings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, yeah, I'll just keep things out of the yard and like, just win. But, like, what if one of those underlings that was killed rose up through the ranks and deposed Visser 3 when they're not I, I killed. Guess. Or, yeah. or yeah, what if what if one of them so, like like goes on to betray the Yurks? You know, like what there there's there's so many unforeseen like consequences that could come from that. It's it's you you change an event in the past and so many different things can happen. That's fair. <laughs> but also, counter argument, yeah. killing the kids would actually be the best thing for him here because uh the kids fuck up stuff in the past by changing things so that doesn't happen anyway so it would have been yeah. best to kill the kids anyway. i mean that's that is true but i don't think mr three knows that no yeah obviously no yeah he doesn't know that and also the kids don't even know that at this point either yeah yeah also also we don't even know if this is the real future or if the elements just sort of conjured this as a that's true yeah a hallucination yeah we, we have but, no idea of knowing whether or not this is actually like the actual bad future or it just yeah. an illusion Regardless, uh, Rachel realizes, oh, well, if they can't hurt us, I mean, I can change the future, sure thing, no problem, and immediately gets all hyper-focused on this or one, as she starts to morph Grizzly Bear because he ate Tobias. <laughs> um, this is one of the really quick morphs. It doesn't take basically any time, and though Visser 3 threatens- Visser 1, sorry, threatens them with an army, they basically- are useless because mm -hmm. you still can't shoot them. Um, and uh, Rachel, as a grizzly bear, just smashes into him. I don't know that 
how much you know y'all know about grizzly bears, but they can hit thirty five miles an hour, and she just plows yeah, gri- right grizzly, into this guy's grizzly side. Grizzly bears are fucking dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like how like it's a thing you skip over, but it's like it's funny how future Rachel's like, "What do we do?" And he's like, "We? I do nothing. I fucking leave. Goodbye." <laughs> it's like, fuck you, future Rachel. <laughs> you can deal with this problem, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's always been the way he does things. I mean, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, Fitzer 3 slash 1 is a coward. <laughs> only the only, only to actually get involved when he thinks he can easily win, but it's like, as soon as it's like, well, I can't do shit about here, so goodbye. <laughs> yep. So yeah, no, I'm kind of tempted to give Rachel a point here, because, again, she is an 800-pound bear hitting a delicate deer-like creature at 35 miles an hour, but... It doesn't specifically say she got him, and she's going back for another hit when they get zapped back to the past, yeah, so I, I don't I, think I don't, we can count it. I don't it. interpret that as a kill, just because, like, it is a case of, like, like you say, she was going for another hit, and also, this bad future presumably doesn't happen now, <laughs> the way yeah. this book goes, so I don't think we can take... Like, even if she did kill him, I think we'd have to take it away if the bad future is undone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and because the Elemist is a jerk, uh, she's, like, swinging her paws to try and knock this guy's head off his shoulders, and then they warp back to the past, and she's just hitting a tree with her bare human hands. It's, like... <laughs> Ow. Because he demorphs her instantly, uh, and she's just swinging at this tree full power. This guy sucks. I don't like him anymore all of a sudden. <laughs> at least put her two feet to the left so she's swinging at the air. Come on. <laughs> no, it's more dramatic if she hits a tree. And then she's like, <laughs> so I, I, you, you can imagine the scene in your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, she's, she's very frustrated. She's tired of all of this because, like, what is really the point of all of this? Because now that they've seen the future, they know what that they're going to lose if they try to stay here and fight. And it's just, she's so hopeless and out of it. And she just kind of falls onto the ground. She's not, like, laying down. She's fully just up to down within a matter of seconds. Um, Rachel just ragdolls onto the ground. <laughs> like she's a fucking Dark yeah. Souls enemy that got killed. <laughs> and then there's a mention here that the six of us just lay there on the floor, so I guess they all just lay there with her. <laughs> yeah, they were all T-posing. They all T-posed when they came back into the f- the present, and then they just immediately had physics effect them, so they all just crumpled down. I mean, like, they, they, they all kind of, like, lay down in exhaustion, and I feel like that's gonna be a good panel in the graphic novel. That's gonna look good. You know? It it's really like an overhead is. shot, overhead shot of all of them, and they're in their sort of, like, state of despair. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And Axe does still, like, try to it, it maybe it's a trick. Maybe maybe the we don't trust those guys. But nah, the, the the animorphs are pretty done here. Rachel especially is convinced that this isn't a trick because like it's 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 over. It's it's so over. It's Jover even. <laughs> um, but by the end of this book, they'll be so back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Rachel decides that she's changing her vote because. Like, she wants to fight, she doesn't want to get out of here, but she refuses to end her life as a controller. That, like, that's not gonna happen, so... As much as she hates running, if it keeps her from being a controller, yeah, she's gonna vote to to leave. And, uh, that makes majority, because that's Cassie, Rachel, and Marco in favor of, uh, the nature preserve, and Axe is still not voting, so... <sighs> And then Tobias mentions, like, he, he's he's hesitant, but there was a thing where 
uh, wolves were extinct in the national forests, and they were able to successfully reintroduce the species, and he's thinking, like, maybe if we get this thing, maybe if we do this, we can, like, hopefully introduce humans back into Earth someday and retake the planets, and he also changes his votes, so they have decided. Uh, they all together call as Jake, like, calls to the Elemist, and they have all voted yes. Uh, the thing is, is that the Elemist told them that once they voted, they would be immediately transported, and uh, they're not. They're just laying there <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> Nothing happens, and that's the end of my chapters. And I am so sorry, y'all. We are an hour in, and we've yeah, only gotten through my I'm stuff. Yeah, you know, like, it count? happens. I don't know. The, nah, there were, there were a lot of diversions in my chapters, and... I'm glad for him. They were good conversations, but it took longer than I yeah. thought, so I apologize. Well, fortunately, episode. my yeah, my chapters are pretty short, though, by okay. contrast, because yeah. not a lot happens. Then. <laughs> All right, uh, chapter twenty-two, which I've called "Let's Get Political," has Rachel say that it was incredibly weird to return to school the following day, and she's just in class as her teacher, Miss Paloma, the one that we think was the skeleton that they mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, it tells the students about how the U.S. dragged its feet on joining World War II because we wanted peace, which ended up getting more people killed overall. <laughs> well, yeah, just some good old-fashioned yeah. World War II revisionism. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about yep. it. Yep. Uh, basically, yeah, but uh, basically Rachel this whole time is just wondering what the point of all this is when humanity's long history just leads to them ending up as a slave race for brain slugs. <laughs> uh, the teacher says that we cannot know for sure if America made things worse by delaying, but Cassie interrupts asking why we can't second-guess history because who wouldn't want to change the past if you could? Again, don't fuck with the past, Rachel slash uh, Cassie. You're going to make things worse. <laughs> I mean, we can say for sure that America made things worse by tacitly supporting the eugenicist well, program in Nazi yeah, Germany, so... Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you yeah, like, for the overall, for the majority of things, you shouldn't try to, like, change the past, because we see stuff every time in every sort of, like, time travel story that you fuck up things even worse. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, at any point, uh, Miss Paloma then takes a long time to explain the very easy to understand butterfly theory to the kids, because again, that's the whole moral of this book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at one point, she just looks directly at Rachel, like, right in the eye, and repeats the phrase, a single butterfly. Everything implied that this is, of course, our friend the space wizard, based on what we learn later on. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just, like, I just, like, a single butterfly. A single yeah, butterfly. Yeah. A single butterfly. She's like in like, class. She's looking at Rachel, yeah. saying this over and over it's, again. It's, it's like the Elemist has Rachel in a headlock, being like, "Do you fucking get it yet? <laughs> <laughs> fucking understand, <laughs> idiot." <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, one, of, one of my favorite tropes in anything is like a student is in class, and the teacher or professor or museum person or whatever is giving a lecture on some specific expository thing that the it is important to the story i don't know why yeah. but it's just so it's just so funny to me it's like oh wow yeah. look we happen to hear something about the exact same thing the book's about yeah because like she, she was kind of leading into that before presumably the elements took over to like yeah look directly at rachel and be like do you fucking get it yet do you understand yeah <laughs> I will never, ever in my life forget how in Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's a scene where he goes to English class and the teacher says, and I quote, there are only two types of stories, a stranger comes to town or a hero goes on a journey. Uh -huh. And neither of those describe that movie. Like, <laughs> neither of those things happen in the movie. Yeah. It's not like Spider-Man has to go to, like, Egypt or something. <laughs> 
Or, like, a uh, random person shows up and, oh no, they're the actual villain of this or whatever. It's like, also... Yeah, everybody who is in that movie is, like, someone who's already in Peter's life. No strangers come to town <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't go anywhere, so... Yeah. Uh, man, I just... I always forget that they basically wanted to continue on with that series and then just never did. <laughs> and then... Re- <laughs> like, but there's been so many attempts to just use Spider-Man over and over again, and it's like... It, I don't know. It's just annoying at this point, I guess. Except for Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, sorry. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, after class, Cassie says that she knows that too, but also asks why they're still even here on Earth after they've all said yes. Uh, both girls come to the conclusion that yes can't be the answer that our space wizard friend sought from them, despite the overwhelming evidence that giving up the fight was their only feasible option. And they then both realize at this point that he intentionally showed them the drop shaft to let them believe they could escape in that moment, but that they must be missing something based on knowing that they have to stay because they were shown future Rachel, but also that would mean that they would have to give up instead, so they're like, okay, what the fuck's going on here? This is like just kind of a paradox itself of like, why is he trying to get us to say yes, but also giving us chances to notice things? <laughs> But basically, this all ends up with Rachel once again wondering uh, more butterfly theory stuff. <laughs> but like, how how do I know the butterfly should do stuff? <laughs> like I said, pretty simplistic chapter. It's just that's where it ends. Well, it's when she's asking chapter- how how is the butterfly supposed to know when to beat her wings? She's asking like, yeah. what the fuck am I supposed to do in order to prevent this future? You know? Yeah. Um, like how do how do I know what I have to do to stop this? Yeah. Basically. Chapter twenty three, which is even shorter, which I have called "Never Trust Anything That Happens After Two A.M." <laughs> Uh, has Rachel dream about recent events, which a lot of it is kind of just like a mismatch of things, but the thing that really matters is that uh, she remembers uh, Axe saying that the Kendrona is like the center of Yurk life and almost akin to a religion, and how the Illumist showed them the drop shaft to give them a chance, and she basically wakes up abruptly while being a bit triumphant uh, because she's realized something. So she basically leaves her mom a note, say she went on an early morning run, uh, thinks about what her dad would think of her if she left the fight while still having a chance to win, and then just basically morphs back into her old form to go bobber Tobias again, just like she did earlier in this book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she basically just tells them <clears throat> to follow her because uh, they have to go be butterflies because her dream helped her realize where the Kendrona is. That chapter is just that. <laughs> There's nothing else. <laughs> Obviously, I like shortened down to, the dream to, stuff, to, but it's like, be, it doesn't matter overall. To be fair, she does start with "Don't panic, but wake up." So, like, Tobias wakes up knowing that it's not an owl here to rip him apart and eat him. Yeah, like this time at least she doesn't. Like, she actually gives him a heads up, like, "Hey, don't panic, but it's me. Follow me. Come on, come the fuck on. Let's go." Exactly. Compared to last time where she just fucking zooms in, he's like, "Holy fuck." Uh, yeah, but that just leads us into chapter 24, which I call The Wizard's Loophole, which has the group gathered at their usual hideout of the barn at 3.47am, <laughs> having all stuck out to hear Rachel out, because she and Tobias basically went and bothered them all by smacking into their windows. Uh, she tells them all what she knows and how she realized it because of the Elemist, uh, basically rationalizing how they all thought it was unfair when he gave them a chance of a, ch- uh, like, the, uh, right, bleh, let me retake that. She rationalizes how they all thought it was unfair when he gave them the choice of salvation or being taxed on lunch, but he also unintentionally waited till they had left the lunchroom to appear before them so that they could actually see the drop shaft at all, since they were still bugs and obviously couldn't see it at the point. <laughs> Ultimately, she argues that what they do does matter, because if it didn't, why ask them at all for a choice if the future is already fucked? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the fact remains that they're still on Earth despite him said yes to the offer, which Cassie, uh, with Cassie chiming in that he wanted a different answer, since the Illumist himself is must be in a trap. 
Cassie goes on to say that uh, he wants to save Earth but cannot interfere indirectly, and that saving a few humans won't actually save Earth overall, and that he cares about the planet since he showed them visions of Earth instead of just people. <laughs> but yeah, Rachel collaborates this by saying that if the Illumis just so happen to show them another way forward without needing to directly act, as they can draw them. That's wait, my my sentence here is weird. Uh, yeah, basically she <laughs> she says that like basically being like, oh yeah, he showed us a way forward without needing to act directly, and also that the Kendronim must be at the Yurk Pool located downtown. The reasoning for that being that they basically leveled all those buildings to make room for it, but not only left the EGS tower intact, but also added a dome on top, which means they must be having something there protected. At this, Rachel concludes that the tower being what the is a, what the Elemis wanted them to see, just like the drop shaft, basically just a way out without needing to get his hands dirty, because again, like, he didn't really interfere until after they had seen that, and also heard from Visitor 3 slash 1 and future Rachel that they're screwed. <laughs> Cassie and Rachel then repeat the butterfly theory again stuff to stress the point that even small decisions can affect the greater whole, because do you get it yet? And at any point, they settle up to go do a uh, guerrilla war. <laughs> My chapter is really nothing really happens. It's just them being like, here's where it is. Let's go do its thing. Yeah. Also, butterfly theory it's, again it's, and again and again, if you get it. <laughs> Rachel, feel, Rachel, like, realizing where they have to go. Um, yeah. That's so, just the gist of what happens in life. Chapter 25, I've called Tower Offense. Um, the kids arrive at 5.10 in the morning at EGS Tower, and the reason they've chosen this time is because this is a regular, like, office building full of a bunch of different law firms businesses, probably some, like, therapists and whatnot. Anyone who needs office rental space downtown, they might go here. Um, most of them are just going to be normal people, so they want to be careful. Uh, and they that's why they've chosen this time of day when those normal people probably won't be there. They're just going to get security. In fact, there's a security guard in there. Um, you know, uh, Tobias can't see anything from, from up there, uh, from, from, from up above. Um, they do get this little, little weird scene with, like, this drunk coming up, and then, uh, Jake scares him away with a tiger roar, but it doesn't really affect anything. Uh, no, no, uh, Cassie scares him away as a wolf. Oh! Cassie's gonna, okay, yeah, Cassie like, scares him away like, as a wolf. Like, okay, yeah. Because Jake, Jake is like, oh, Cassie, you're better at morphing those, because you're already in full wolf. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 him yeah, while yeah, we yeah, yeah, finish yeah, morphing. Yeah. No, you're and right. she's like, yep, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I fully choose to assume that this is the cartoon style. A drunk stumbles by with a bottle and sees something crazy and then throws the bottle away. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But also, it's like, it at least makes way, a little bit more sense to see a wolf in the middle of the town, because mm-hmm. it might have just walked in from the woods by accident, compared mm-hmm. to a fucking tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, also, a wolf, very, like, at night, for a drunk person, could just be mistaken for a large dog. Yeah. Compared compared to a tiger. <laughs> if you know what you're looking for, there's no way you could mistake a wolf for a dog. But just like at yeah. first glance. Um, so yeah, Cassie, as wolf, scares the drunk away. Then there's the issue with the, the security guard in there, who's described as sleepy um, previously in the chapter. Uh, the problem is they don't know if this guy's a controller. So Marco morphs gorilla, taps on the glass, and then the guard is very startled to see this. Um, and then the, and then, uh, Marco Thought speaks at the guard, says, I just came for a masquerade party and I was looking for Visser 3. And just eyes widen, uh, the guard realizes what's happening, uh, whispers, sorry, whispers, and a light, and a hisper is when you whisper, but it's like a hiss. Um. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um. (laughs) This picture of a dog 
that is edited to look like a tiger is fucking me up that you just linked. <laughs> it's not edited. That's like die. Oh, okay. Um, so the uh, uh, so then uh, Marco's like, "Oh, you're a controller. Okay, that makes this a lot simpler." And he just punches straight through the glass door and then hits <laughs> the guard across the chin. I don't think this kills the guard. I don't think Marco would intentionally do that at this moment. Um, this but guy might I think be that's fucked, fair. Though. The guard is. <laughs> no longer a problem for now uh jkl's move so they 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 move toward the elevator um the 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 freight elevator which is where we get the uh the scene from the inside cover of the book uh of of all of them (laughs) and their battle morphs inside the elevator uh mark is the only one who can press the button so he does it um i don't know how they know what floor to go to yeah i assume it's the top one In the future, the top two floors of the building have been removed and replaced with that giant dome, so I think they're going up mm-hmm. there because they're assuming that's... I also feel like uh, you're... I didn't, if, I didn't if, realize that they leveled like the top two to put the dome there. I thought they just added the dome. I also feel like considering the religious regard that Yurks hold the Kondrona in, they'd want to put it as high as possible. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Also, it might just transmit better if it's true. at a higher that's location. True. Um... I don't know, I guess it has to transmit through, like, rock and shit anyway, because it's going to underground your pools. Well, yeah, that's so, fair. <laughs> um, okay, Maybe so... they want it to look, like, as close to their sun, so they want to put it as high up as they can. The, uh, there's a little quip that the maximum load is in the elevator is 20 people, and then they wonder how many bears, tigers, and gorillas. Um... They probably, I think, would be lighter than 20 people. Like, I, I'm trying to look this up to see how heavy 20 people on average should be. <laughs> there's, there's uh, a, well, if we assume that a person is about 180 to 200, a grizzly is only 4 people, so... Yeah, uh, so the average North American says around 180 pounds, so let's see, how heavy is a bear? Uh, well, Rachel has said multiple times that her grizzly specifically is 800 pounds. Okay, 800. So, let's see. Tiger is... The average adult male tiger is 280 pounds, so let's err on the side of the mouse. <laughs> and gorilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, gorilla average. Gorilla is only 300, less than a tiger, mm-hmm. huh? Interesting. So let's see. So uh, 560, 1360, so we're, if we assume 180, we're looking at like maybe 10 people. Yeah, so I. It can fit more. For this. I mean, it is a freight. I think it is a freight elevator, isn't it? It's like yeah. a yep. yeah. They say it's a freight, um, because that's the only kind of elevator that would fit them. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's like this little we get like the awkward elevator conversation as Jake asks if anyone's seen any good movies and Rachel mentions the new Keanu Reeves movie. I don't know what that one would be. I don't know necessarily what came out with Keanu Reeves in the mid '90s. Jake asks if well, funny you should mention oh, yeah? it because I did some historical okay. research. <laughs> I was just about to look it up too. <laughs> yes, so this book came out in april of 1997 which means because there's no actual new keanu reeves movie that's out in april of 1997 it doesn't take place in 97 does it it takes place in like 93 i thought no no they're they're roughly contemporaneous with the time the books come out so because there's not actually a movie out this month this month i was doing some figuring this out and the next Keanu Reeves movie that comes out is in June. It is called The Last Time I Committed Suicide, which is about uh, Neil Cassidy, uh, one of the big writers in the Beat Generation, uh-huh. 
Uh, you may remember him as the driver of the Further, which is the hippie bus that drove across the country. Um, and yes, the thing is, this movie premiered at Sundance in January, so it's already been seen, but it's not out to the public yet. So she wants to go see it. It's not available yet. And there you go. The last time I committed suicide. Okay. Uh, <laughs> looking at this in recent years around there, it could also have been Much Ado About Nothing or Johnny Mnemonic if that was set, if it takes place in 93 or 95, since both those came out in May. Because, like, we don't, and like you said, we don't fully know exactly if it's supposed to be exactly 1997. I, uh, I... I don't remember what it was, but there was something in one of the earlier books, I believe, that confirmed we were looking at 96 at the very mm. earliest. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. J- Jake also asks if Keanu Reeves is supposed to be cute, which, like, just the f- most fucking performative 90s masculinity. I'm pretty sure even a straight guy who is not attracted to to, to men would be able to tell that Keanu Reeves is at the very least a good-looking man like you know what i mean yeah like <laughs> um, everybody agrees honestly, Reeves looks no. great. <sighs> i don't know it's I, I maybe i just don't understand what it's like to not be pansexual <laughs> <laughs> well i can tell you this as a person who is aggressively ace and always has been i don't know what a good looking person is they're just people again, he's got like a symmetrical face and he's got the he's got like the you know the the physically i guess like the, the aesthetically pleasing features you know what i mean honestly he just looks kind of weird to me like it's too smooth i don't especially in this picture from the the last time i committed suicide i don't like it's keanu reeves (laughs) is is to me one of the most attractive people on the planet uh or at least uh i mean actually even still today he's aged great um i don't know maybe i i guess i guess i guess i have to take i had i guess i have to take your 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 input into account i just like yeah, like, I see people all the time where I'm like, I'm not attracted to that person, but I could see how some people could be, and it's not like they're, like, yeah. bad to look at, you know what I mean? It's also, like Also, just looking at that, more general consensus says it does take place in 97 to 2000. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I guess I guess you are correct, it would be around yeah. the last time I committed suicide. Okay. Um, so they, they reach the top floor, um... And they get out, and the elevator opens, and there are three humans and two hork racing toward the elevator. So somehow they already knew they were coming up. Maybe they saw, like, the elevator moving. I don't think that the guard at the bottom would have, as, would have, would have had enough time to warn patriots <laughs> upstairs. Um, I don't know. 60 stories is a long elevator ride. <laughs> we, we get two roars from a tiger and a... Uh, a bear as they enter into battle. We're one lion away from an oh my. Um, <laughs> and oh, look, think, think, think about that for, for, for later in the series, honestly. Um, and uh, so Rachel slams into a Hort-Bajir um, and the force of her charge just just hammers the Hort-Bajir into a wall. Doesn't kill him, so we're not giving, giving her a ding for that, but it's not yep. going anywhere. Um, oh, don't worry. She'll get a thing in like uh, two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Jake uh, <laughs> takes down the other Hork-Bajir with a lightning spike with his claws. I don't think that's uh, that's not like a, a, a confirmed kill. Um, I feel like it you is. You feel like it is? I mean, yeah. Uh, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but if you take down a Hork-Bajir with claws and he's not 
yeah. in a position to get back up. He's done. Yeah, like. no, that's true, because claws are... Claws are... Uh, claws are much more... It's, it's, it's kind of, piercing and slashing weapons are more lethal than bludgeoning. It's kind, of, it's kind of like saying, I took that guy down with my knife. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. <laughs> Especially tiger claws. Yes, they're big. Yeah. So uh, hey, no, yeah, it's, it's like how you can like get an insta kill on an elite by uh, hitting them in the back with a knife in Halo, but punching them in the face with the gun does not as much. <laughs> that yeah. that can definitely be a ding for Jake. Then um, okay. I think so. There's also but like in, one of Cassie having described as having her jaws around the guy's throat. It's well, like I think that we'll, guy's also. We'll dead. get to that. But in but in the uh, let me let me do my thing. Get yeah. uh, mm-hmm. then we get to um uh it's like. Jake, Jake does get cut in the process by the Hork-Bajir, uh, and it's not looking great, but Jake's gonna be fine for a while. So he's taken, like, I don't know, about four lethal damage from that hit or something like that. Um, this, that, this world yeah, he took, he took uh, four body instead of stun. <laughs> um, so, uh, turns out that they, they, um, that, that Cassie and Axe were coming up separately, and Axe pushed the, the, the wrong buttons. They were a little bit late. Um, and Cassie, of course, looks and realizes the situation. Um, and th- at this point, they realize, of course, that, that uh, the, the Kendrona is obviously here because it's being guarded. Um, so the, the battle continues, and... At this point, Rachel's giving in to the bear instincts uh, in a way that that is almost deliberate. Like the 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 bear has been challenged, and now the bear is not going to allow uh, these these aggressors to get away with that. Although they're really the aggressors here, I guess. Um, maybe that's the aggression that leads Rachel to just barrel through the next door um, into what she thinks are humans, uh, but turn out... who I'm pretty sure she's, like, fully intending to maul and kill. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, sounds like. Um, like at, the, at this point, she, she's, she's kind of lost to the bear violence, but it turns out that it's not... Hu- it's not eight humans, it's eight Hork-Bajir. Um... So, uh, Rachel's in, has essentially walked into a, a meat grinder, and that's where we start episode, sorry, sorry, episode, start chapter 26, which I've called Die Hard, I guess. I've never seen the movie. <laughs> Me neither. Um, <laughs> All I know is people claim it's Christmas movie. Uh, yeah. It came out in July, so... But it's about Christmas. I, I think. I think. I, I, personally, I don't want to get into this argument right now. But personally, I, mean, there, I think the qualifier. There's a lot of there's I a think, lot of those that release in like July there about Christmas. Like even uh, I think like Iron Man three was that where from, it released in December. From what I understand, Die Hard is essentially about a guy trying to get home for Christmas, and that seems like a pretty <laughs> Christmas movie premise to me. But I haven't seen it. Like I said, so I can't really say. Um. So Rachel starts getting cut repeatedly by Hork-Bajir, uh, because she just walked into a bunch of them. Uh, in response, Rachel, uh, Cassie bites out a Hork-Bajir's throat, so ding for her. Uh, uh, do we think that's two? Does that get the Yurk as well? I don't think the Yurk is in the Hork-Bajir's throat. I feel like later the Yurks are going to come up, they're going to see the situation, they're going to see the Kondrona's gone, but they're also going to gather up the Yurks that weren't killed that are inside of corpses. You know what I mean? 
So and, and probably finish off the Hork Vizier who are injured. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Um, and and to that end, uh, Axe also cuts the arm off of a Hork Vizier, so that's half a ding for him. <laughs> um, I like how it's yeah, would... I like how it's described as the guy's holding his own severed arm. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> what? I think I think I guess like relief with Axe when it comes to Hork Vizier and humans, he's trying to not kill them because they are slaves. Just good, good old but family he definitely friendly. He definitely. Yeah, he definitely does not hold himself back of per- permanently maiming these people, though. Yeah. He's just, he's like, well, it's, it's, he's like Batman in that regard. It's like, I might have, like, fucking broken the spine, but he's not dead, so it's alright. <laughs> he's never gonna walk again, but, like, he kinda deserved it if you think about it. Uh. It's like, does he act? He's the fucking slice of the Yerks. Um. Yeah, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> I gotta say, X really would rocket up the kill count if he just stopped with this non-lethal yeah, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Because only getting half a point every time he kills somebody is really messing yeah. with his score. Yeah. Actually, um, now that I think about it, does X even have any, like, uh, lethal, like, terrestrial morphs at this point because like the only time we've seen them like really morph into like a creature was the shark one. right nothing he True. could morph would be more deadly i, than I guess but it, it, would at, it would at least like hide that he's the andalite among them if he was turning into like, no but you uh, see it's a good thing that he is showing them an andalite that I, I, that I, that I, yeah, keeps I the guess. myth that they're andalite bandits going because they they I know guess. like it, we at least I, have one andalite I guess it just kind of stands out that only one of them is in their Andalite form, which have been proven to be super fucking dangerous. When it's like, well, why well, aren't any of the others just really good at tail fighting. Because, like, that's a skill that, that Andalites... It's an, it's an Andalite martial art, basically. It's right. like a oh, yeah, this, thing a, this also reminds. In. This also reminds me of something I've been meaning to mention since book four. Because, like, Axe can take human DNA to become a, a human. Can they actually, like, touch him to get his DNA to become Andalites? Uh, they if could. you look through the, um, the, the covers of all the books, you might find, uh, something to that effect. Maybe. Perhaps. At some point. <laughs> uh, that, that would require me to go through, like, 60 fucking covers. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I answer... feel like I might get some spoilers yeah. back since uh, the, an- the answer is that Andalites have DNA. So why not? I mean, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I it, it's... The only... <laughs> the only thing stopping them is consent, yeah. and... Like he clearly didn't really do that when he got them. But no, yeah. that's no excuse. I mean, well, wait, didn't he say with your permission he like to touch? Yeah, he said with your permission there, as yeah. he was already grabbing Cassie's yeah. face. Yeah, true. I yeah. guess we. Uh, yeah, I guess in my recollection we don't actually get him like Cassie saying sure. <laughs> no, we don't. And he also doesn't ask permission to anybody else. He just grabs their faces. <laughs> um. So everything is chaos at this point, and Rachel's being cut again and again by Hork Vizier Blade. She's losing blood. Um, she can feel her strength ebbing, but the, the the bear is still in a berserker rage. A berserker coming, of course, from a root word meaning bear. Uh, so Rachel is literally a berserker <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, and so she uh, charges and hits Hork Vizier in the stomach and her momentum carries her forward and she crashes the glass doesn't say the hork vizier oh no no yeah no she does shove the hork vizier through the window so that is a ding for rachel yeah Um, yeah that that guy falls like that guy's dead he he is super fucking dead i don't even know like i i guess the yurt could survive that i i feel like this is definitely a yurt okay so two dings 
I mean, even though the orc is inside the head, like, human heads are actually not all that tough when you get down well, to it. Well, it's a, hork, it's a Hork-Bashir head, and Hork-Bashir, to be fair, are designed uh, for, like, they evolved in trees, so maybe they have more uh, resistance to falling. We actually do, I think, <laughs> hear that, but I don't think even a Hork-Bashir could um, survive falling out of a skyscraper. <laughs> Yeah, their 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 passive reduces fall damage, but not that much. <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I just because it's sixty stories onto pavement, right? You're not in a forest here. You're not yeah. falling out of a tree. Yeah. It's I'm I'm just imagining this like the drunk from earlier, just like sitting down trying to trying to come come out of his stupor, and he's like, <laughs> and then like hold, hold, holding his head in his hands, and then like splat just right in front of him. <laughs> Like, I really gotta quit drinking, uh, this has been one crazy <laughs> night for me. Imagining wolves and also some, like, alien bird knife thing falling from the sky. <laughs> um, but at that point, uh, now that the, the glass is broken, Tobias can fly in and, um, join the fight. And, of course, obviously he immediately does his signature move, which is ripping out a work <laughs> eyes, so we give him, uh, half a kill, I'm sure. Um, That's how that goes. I know is gonna get a gun again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that's like his si- second signature move, and he's only done it once because what else can he do as a bird? Tobias is the <laughs> rogue. Catch people's eyes out. He's getting. I, I guess yeah. He's he's he's, he's always doing... waiting until one of his allies are within five feet, so he can get sneak attack damage. Well, he got, he 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 flies in with his sneak attack damage, and then he does a cunning action to disengage, and he flies away. <laughs> I mean, he might be a swashbuckler. He might just get that free moving away from the target he attacks. He I, feel, I feel like I feel like Tobias would be a swash uh, would be a swashbuckler. Um, or, actually, Tobias might be mastermind. Now I think about it, since he is like really more support. Yeah. Excuse me, Tobias is the only one here who could not be a mastermind. There's no way he maintains five alternate identities. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I mean, he's definitely not arc. I mean, I would want to say arcane trickster, but like, uh, I don't know. He doesn't use like he obviously doesn't have anything equivalent to like magic or anything. Listen, it's fine. He's a three point five rogue. That's why he can use dracon beams. He has used magic device. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, that's true. Yeah, the GM let him like keep his like old version of the rogue. In. <laughs> At this point, uh, the battle has turned. There are only three Hork Bajir left. They know they can't win, so they run. Um. So they've routed them. Uh, Marco closes the door, uh, or more likely puts the door back into place because it's crumpled, places a desk in the way to block it. They have to demorph because people are pretty badly injured. Marco is holding, uh, as mentioned earlier, holding his entrails in with his gorilla fist. Um, and Jake has a this bad a- cut. T- Tobias... Like mentions Rachel's arm and she doesn't notice, but she looks down and it's gone. She's just like the the, the left paw is not there; it's a stump. Um, this is a series for children. <laughs> yes, this is a series for children. <laughs> Family friendly entertainment for for your for your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't. I cannot wait to get to the next Marco. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Oh jeez! Oh god! <laughs> oh. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so they have to demorph, and luckily they have the ability to just undo any injuries they get, or they would not be able to win this war, or any battle in this war, ever. Um, yep. 
I really feel like that's more almost more useful than being able to turn into animals, frankly. <laughs> you got a healing factor. It's just very conditional. Um, however, it's exhausting remorphing over and over again. So Rachel feels so weary she's going to faint. She looks through human eyes now to see the carnage around them. Their horbitures sprawling across the room. Most of them are breathing. Many are not. None are conscious. Uh, and they're all bleeding from claw and tooth wounds. Um, they can't do what the what what the kids have done. They can't morph out of their injured bodies uh, and into two whole bodies again. Um, there's one more door. Uh, and Rachel goes through it as a human, which is weird. I guess, like, I guess if there had been people in there, they would have come out and joined the fight, but <laughs> I don't know. She's taking a risk opening a door in her human body, frankly. However, yeah, yeah for sure. It, it, it pays off because there's no one in there. There's nothing in there except for, um, a big chrome machine. There are windows here, but they're blocked out by heavy curtains, and it smells like lightning, like ozone. Um, it's it's like a polished chrome. It doesn't really like I guess it's, it's, it's a cylinder, uh, but with, but that like comes to dull points on either end, so it's like a spindle shape almost. Um, and Axe identifies it as the Condrona. Uh, they need to figure out what to do with it. Rachel morphs elephant. It's a miracle that I guess the floor of the building is reinforced and she doesn't fall through it. But she's able to push the Condrona with her elephant strength out of the uh, window and it falls 60 stories to smash into the concrete below. And I guess if that's enough to destroy the Condrona, it's definitely enough to destroy that Hork-Bajir from earlier. So, Yeah, yeah, especially if it landed on it. <laughs> Like that, that poor Hortbizier, like the York insiders had been like, okay, well, I have my boat and my body broken, but I somehow made it a lot, made it through this. I just gotta get out of this fucking body. And then it's just like, he just notices this thing falling towards him. He's like, oh, fuck. Um, I've called chapter 27. This is the end of the book. Um, because <laughs> this is what it is, you know? It's, it's really hard to name these last chapters because so often it's just a wrap up. Yeah, uh, like, not. Yep. It kind of, I kind of feel bad that you always have the last book in each chapter, basically, because it's always like, mm -hmm. eh, nothing else really happens. I like finishing it off, though. It, it, yeah. At least this one has two scenes. Yeah. So, True. that's fair. That's also one of the pre that was also one of the reasons I had trouble naming it, because the two scenes have nothing to do with each other. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like, there's no unifying theme to the chapter except its ending, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. well, it starts with Rachel morphing back to her normal body, um, because she can't leave the building as a, as, as an elephant. Uh, it's over. They destroyed the Condrona. Um, except that it's not over, because the Yurks are still gonna be around. Uh, they know this because the Elimis chimes, chimes it at this point. Uh, as Marco wonders if they've changed the future, the Elimis says that everything changes the future. And again, it's that weird, booming, non-thought-speak voice that's still, like, everywhere and all around you and inside your own brain. Um, and the Elimis then says that a replacement Condrona will be there in three of your weeks. It's what I don't know what it is with aliens and say and like refusing yeah. to like, own <laughs> units of time or like, like attributing ownership of units of time to specific like, it, groups it, it of people. It at least kind of makes sense from the elements because he is like everywhere and everywhere. 
I don't like, know. It, like, he, like, like, but, but like, you it, could just say three weeks. It wouldn't imply that you operate on like a weekly schedule. Yeah, it guess. would just be like a way that no. humans could understand. You don't have to drill it in. I don't know. It's just like a weird thing. It's, I, I think it's more weird when it's like again in Mass Effect when they're saying like, "Oh, Shepard was dead for two years," and it's like all the alien species be like, "What the fuck is a year?" Yeah, <laughs> or also like, "Why, why does why do your human years like why is that the calendar we use, assholes?" <laughs> um, I do. Wanna, I think it's it's been a long time, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that in the Elemist Chronicles, the Elemists do have a unit of time that is called a week, and we don't know if it is the same as a human week. So yeah, but there's like be just there's to... like so much, like there's so much <laughs> complicating that, and you know it. There's like yeah, like yeah, like yeah. say just that sentence. What you said is tech. Technically true, but so <laughs> misleading. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the very beginning of the book. Yeah. J- you know, yeah. the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, geez, it's gonna be. Like, that's, that's, that's like. This is gonna be so long before we can even, even start to talk about that. Um, so. Uh, Marco thinks like it's a waste if if there's a if there's a Kondrona already on the way, but Axe reassures him it's not a waste because three weeks without a Kondrona is going to hurt the Yurks badly. Um, there's they're going to fall behind on their schedule. A lot of Yurks are going to die, uh, so it's not a waste. It's de- it definitely does help them. Um, and uh, at this point, because uh, Axe uses the word weeks, and Marco teases by asking, "You mean three of our weeks?" Um, and I, I kind of like that joke a little bit. Uh, they yeah, they yeah. wonder if it's enough, if they've changed the future, or Jake does specifically. And then Rachel says that she doesn't think think the Elimist knows. Um, because, like, there's a possible future, but clearly it can be changed. And, it, it, like, clearly, like, it, the, the evidence points to the Elimist not actually being all-powerful. Clearly very, very powerful. But he, quote has his butterflies too and there's like this sort of existential smile within the fabric of reality <laughs> like uh like the universe is laughing and the elimist set like laughs and says you are a primitive race and yet you are capable of learning um it's like i, I love yeah, how I, the elimist is described because it's just it's like it's very presence. It's just a fact of it, it, yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> I, I kind of um, yeah. like the description oh, sorry, of like. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm getting a call. Um, That's why I never have told my mom about the podcast. <laughs> no, but it, it, she, she she knows when I record. Um, because oh, I'm recording gotcha. like. But the thing is, we started late today, so I'm usually done uh, by now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like even like last week, my mom was like, or two weeks ago, my mom was calling in the middle of it because I was like also the day when I was supposed to be driving into Pennsylvania. No, and actually it's funny. Actually, we can maybe keep this in if this is funny enough, but uh, at one point, I was, we were driving, like, I was almost out of gas, and she was like, okay, I'll drive to the, 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 the gas station with you uh, in order to help you get gas, and, um, like, just in case you do run out on, on the way, um, and apparently, because I had been listening to uh, music in her car previously, connecting to the uh the, the stereo with my with Bluetooth. Oh no! Apparently, the podcasts our podcast, the first episode of our podcast, started automatically playing in her car. Oh, no. <laughs> and she was listening to it the whole time we were driving to the Sorry, gas Kate's station. Sorry, Kate's mom. If I swear a lot in that. 
<laughs> but she, she like, I don't know. She, she has a supportive attitude toward my endeavors. Uh, she's a very good mother, so um, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah, really a huge, that. a huge issue. That's uh, still probably a little embarrassing. Yeah, well, she wouldn't really truck with the A cab talk, but you know what? It's 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 every, every everything else she'd actually probably be perfectly fine with. She's just, you know, uh, but, but uh, like like uh, real quick, what I was about to say, like I like that, like how they describe like how the illness is not even to himself. I kind of like thought of this and like uh, a reference Kate will get that that's mm-hmm. one exactly as much as yet is like. Uh, Remember, like, in, like, Steven Universe Season 5, I think it is, when, like, Garnet's, like... I, I think it's Season 5, because it's, like, it's her being, like, I have future vision and I can see futures, but Steven is so fucking chaotic because he's a teenager, yeah. I can't predict around him accurately <laughs> enough. It's kind of like that, but a little bit more of a jokey, like, the Elmas himself is even like, yeah, lol, I can't tell shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> compared no, to Garnet, al- like, compared to that entire episode being Garnet freaking the fuck out, and also because he doesn't know the future of a little kitten. <laughs> I, I will say about the Elimis, this is my favorite thing about this character, and probably one of the reasons that I really like the Elimis, even though a lot of Animorphs fans don't um is that despite being such an incredibly powerful like immortal being basically this essentially a god is what the elimist is the elimist is also by the end of the series extremely relatable like (laughs) he he's like honestly one of the like you feel for him so much. It's it's just uh, I don't know. It's, it's great. I, I I love how they're able to take this godlike character and then bring him like bring him into like a sort of relatable, <laughs> personable level. It, it, they don't do it yet, certainly. Absolutely. But <laughs> what if God was just a dude you hung out with? Sometimes? What if God was one of us? <laughs> just a slob like one of us. Also, I was right. That episode is season five of the universe because it's after the homeworld stuff. That opened season five. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we get uh, a weird like excerpt here where time passes, and at first they see no evidence of the Earth suffering, um, but they do learn later that there's been terrible damage done. And then right, and then it says, "But that is another story." So we're gonna get that. We're gonna get to see that in a later book. Um, yeah. Two days later. Rachel takes a bus over to her dad's apartment, uh, where he's packing up to move, and she's not coming with him. Um, he says that she can change her mind, and there's, like, a little sweet father-daughter scene here, um, where she's gonna help him pack. Um, he offers to, uh, have her take her to the airport with him, and then, uh, call her a cab when she, uh, when he gets on the plane, but Rachel says no. Um, she has stuff to do, and, and her dad says, not joking, seriously, you probably have something very important to do with your friends. Uh, and I think he's thinking, like, important teenager, like, important on a teenager level, you know? Like, hanging out with one's friends is important for an adolescent person. It's, 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 it's a priority. Um, and, uh, Rachel jokes in a non-joking way that they have to save the world. And Rachel's dad says, if anyone can do it, it would be you. And this is why I like Rachel's dad. <laughs> this, this, this really here is why I like Rachel's dad. Because if if Rachel could somehow tell her dad that she was saving the world, he would be terrified, but also so oh, jazzed yeah. that Rachel got <laughs> yeah. to that. He had such a cool daughter. Like, he would be... Mm-hmm. 
really proud of her, uh, and that I I, I I like him a lot. Uh, and you, I feel like he got he probably he's probably the kind of person who got into journalism because he wanted to do work that mattered, and now he's like, mm-hmm. oh, his daughter's fighting the Yerks, but you can't know about it. Um, is, does he come back in other books? Like, is he a factor later on? I believe so. Um, I will say this and only this: every Animorph's parents have at least two books in which they are heavily featured. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess we're done with Rachel's mom then, because she was hev- kind of heavily featured in her intro book plus this one. Well, at least two books. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess with the exception of Axe. At this, but yeah. Well, at this, I want to see. I want to see Axe's parents. Um, I want to see Axe try great, to introduce right? his friends to his parents. <laughs> uh, and be like, Mom, Dad, look, uh, this has been a weird time, but I gotta oh, tell you, you about got, food. Fuck, you got no fucking idea. great. You got no idea. Oh, jeez. Um, that would be very interesting. Uh, so, at this point, we end with Rachel looking into the sky and seeing a hawk flying overhead. The hawk, who of course is Tobias, asks her, you coming, Rachel? And then she silently nods her head, and we end the book on that note uh yeah i fucking love this book it's so good this is such a good book it's it's like it's i think it's the first other than like the last one it's it's certainly the first good rachel book and the first book where we're really introduced to what rachel is about um which i think is this sort of like conflict between uh she she deals with war with violence in a way that is uh sort of like lean into the wind go with it let it let the hate flow through you kind of like a <laughs> approach to it and um i just think that's really interesting the 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 bear is like the perfect morph for her other than the elephant because the elephant is capable of so much raw destruction but the bear is like we there 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 are uh, the, the bear is like almost like a symbol of violence, you know. Like yeah. it, it's it, we, we talk about. I, I made a joke about berserkers earlier, but that's like literally what Rachel is. And there were people historically who took the bear spirit into themselves and then just went into crazy rages and shit, cutting stuff up with with axes. You know, it's 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 um <laughs> that that's kind of what Rachel is is. That's like the path that Rachel is going down, and it's going to have a lot of effects in the future. Um, but she's also still trying to be a good person, and a lot of Rachel's the tension in Rachel's character comes from the conflict between wanting to be a good person and the beast that lurks inside of her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and I I just really like that a lot. You know, I honestly don't think I have anything to add. You said it perfectly. <laughs> That's. Uh, what did you think, uh, Vivian? That, that I mean, this is again that you're reading this series for the first time. Um, this is the second Rachel book that you've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does it compare to the last one? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's definitely better than the previous Rachel book because Rachel actually seems to care rather than just, like, you know, saying, like, mm-hmm. I want to help my friend and then immediately forgetting about her friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I do like the whole, like, yeah, like, she spends most of this book really conflicted about things because, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it is a case of she wants to go with her dad and then later on she's like, well, the future's fucked, so shouldn't I save my friends and my family instead? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I, I do like 
like it's like yeah and it's like again like of course in like kind of more like what i've heard of rachel just in passing over the last decades of like yeah she like she won't really stand down from the fight if she can see a way forward and it's like yeah yeah like this is the rachel i've heard a lot about where it's like she will just fuck up people yep just <laughs> compared she's to def- book two rachel of like <laughs> I mean, book two Rachel is still her being like, everybody says I'm pretty and hot, and it's like, I don't need to know about this about a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they ever describe Rachel as hot. They ever describe her as pretty. And, like, I think you can, you can, um... See, to me, pretty is different from hot. Pretty does not carry the connotation of, uh, some kind of sexual desire. Pretty is, like, I guess, yeah. this person's features are pleasing to look at in an aesthetic mm-hmm. sense. I can look at a lake and say a lake is pretty, and I can look at a person and say a person is pretty and mean it in the same way. I don't want to fuck the lake. <laughs> True. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, some, someone out there wants to fuck a lake, though. Let's be real. I'm sure, <laughs> but I'm not one of those people. You know? Like, it's it's... I don't necessarily think it's weird to say that this 12-year-old girl is pretty because that's just, like, a that just means that... Yeah, I, yeah, I think you know it's I, mostly because, like, a lot of adults call her pretty, which is, like, please stop. <laughs> it happens, though. I mean, like, I've, <laughs> I... Know, I, I, I know, I know it I happens. Remember, it sucks. I, remember teacher, I remember teachers calling people pretty, and I don't necessarily yeah, like that. It, it's, no. <laughs> I think... I think there are a few people who should, like, like, it's not weird when parents do it. Um, it's not weird when other kids do it. I don't want to hear an educator refer to a phys- yeah. like a, the physical <laughs> features of a, of a, of, of a student. That's not the exactly. kind of ed- but, but, relationship that it should exist. But, but also um, when, when parents call their, like, newborns, like, if they have, like, if their, like, friends have, like, a girl and they have a boy and they're together, they're like, look at them, they're already boyfriend-girlfriend. That's un- fucking weird. Unless, <laughs> unless, like, there's, like, a friendly relationship between a teacher and a student, and that does mm-hmm. and should happen, and unless, the 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 student is clearly like oh i want to be told that my makeup looks good today you know what i mean like that that kind of confidence booster coming from a teacher can be a positive thing yeah I um, suppose, yeah but that's different from being like oh you yeah, you're that, really pretty that's different just than, like as yeah, a, that's different as than a, a, inherent quality to your person like, yeah that's, it's different that's if different. it's like yeah. it's different if it's like prompted by the kid compared to the teachers that were being like hey you're pretty today and like eh, that's weird yeah, don't maybe <laughs> no, not thanks. maybe not that maybe don't do that maybe that's yeah. a thing you shouldn't say <laughs> um yeah there there is a time and a place uh, and it's not, it's not most of the time, and it's not most places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I, it's, I, it still I, surprises me how fucking cr- weird and crazy this series gets, even just at yeah. book five, or, or I, like, book seven. <laughs> I agree with, with you on, on, uh, on that, on it being better than the second book, obviously. Um, yeah. I like the Elimist a lot as a character, and this is a good introduction to him because he's very strange, and we kind of get this weird, like, there are rules that he has to follow and loopholes that he can take in order to help, because he clearly wants the kids to succeed, but yeah. he can't actively provide support, so he has to do, like, other stuff and then kind of get them in the direction he wants them to go in in a really frustrating way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, no. 
I, I think it's like mostly like aside from like the Tobias book that we had so far, like the series, like for the first like four books mm-hmm. or so, was kind of like eh, it's all right. It's it's kind of building up stuff, but like I think ever since the Predator, the series has really started to hit its stride. Yeah, no, it it definitely grows yeah. the beard around here. Yeah, because um, again, like that that was like also like when I was like I'm super curious to actually be in Marco's head for a change, considering this guy just kind of annoys me. And yeah. then, like, seeing what actually makes him tick and stuff, it's like, okay, this actually makes a lot of sense. I like Marco yeah. now. And then, like, yeah, yeah the capture uh, was kind of a slog until we actually got to the Yurking. Mar- Marco Marco starts off being such a, a unlikable character, but then he really grows on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Great. So I think I think we've got uh, all the conversation we're going to out of out of this book, The Stranger. Uh, what are we reading I next, so. Patch? Well, next week we will be jumping into our very first Megamorphs book. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a big one. That's going to take us several weeks, and if I'm honest, I don't think we've actually figured out a solid schedule for it, mm-hmm. but for next week we'll be doing the first nine chapters of Megamorphs book one. Yes, and it... And as far as wrap-up goes, uh... Rachel has now jumped to second place on the kill count right after Jake. Uh, it's a pretty wide berth, of course, because Jake is at 90 and Rachel's at 11.25. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a difference when you uh, fry like 70 people's worth of uh, individuals in like one go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rachel's gonna have to work um, hard to get ahead of him again. I'm sorry. Ax remains in last place, but he has moved up to three. So not fry though, parboil. <laughs> Yes, yes. Fair. <laughs> also, I'm just looking at the Megamorphs cover. I like how it's like all of them like half human, half tiger, and then also Tobias is up there. What about, <laughs> thermal, what about our thermal count? No, what? don't. No, what, what, our, what about our thermal count and our don't call me prince count? We didn't actually have any don't call me princes no. in this book, so we're still stuck at two of them. We got close we... with thermals, though, because Tobias says updraft, but that's not a thermal. Uh... He doesn't say thermal. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same yeah. thing, but he doesn't say thermal, so I don't think it counts. <laughs> well, And we also we had two thermals in this book for a total of 32. <laughs> uh, and we're only, we're only in book seven, so that's still an impressive number. Uh, it really we'll is. Get... That's at least like you average that out. That's what eight per book. Every every Tobias <laughs> no, book will make I'm up for math. the other ones where we don't get a thermal count. <laughs> it's four per book. Sorry, um, I'm bad at math. All right. So uh, with that, does anyone have anything else they want to say or, or, or get out? You know, I think there isn't much left to say. But remember, Zero did nothing wrong. Zero did nothing wrong. One one day I will know for sure as you did nothing wrong. <laughs> like we are so close, you're two books away. Come on. <laughs>